In Acts chapter 3, one verse of Scripture today, verse 19, and it's, it's, it's a part, this text is a part of the second sermon that Peter preached after the day of Pentecost. And, it's, and this is a, a portion, a segment of what he said to them. Actually, this is the altar call that he gave at the end of this sermon. And he said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And this morning I want to use that for my subject today, the times of refreshing. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you today for the good worship that we have already experienced and the presence of the Lord here in this service today. I'm asking you now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I minister the Word of God. And I pray for you to give me the words that you would think through my mind today, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through my lips to say what you would have me to say to your people today. I ask you, Lord, today to, to fill and refill each and every one in this service with, the, with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. Help us to understand today and to realize how important it is that we are filled with your Spirit and full of your Spirit. And in Jesus' name we ask it and thank you for it. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Acts chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. When I get to reading the book of Acts, it's all, uh, I, I like it all. And I'm getting ready to go through and read it again uh, in my daily Bible reading. But um, Acts chapter 3 gives us the very first miracle, the very first healing miracle that took place after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John... And you know this story, but Peter and John were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were actually on their way to a prayer meeting. Now, uh, they had recently been in a 10-day prayer meeting that resulted in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And uh, they were filled with the Spirit in a prayer meeting. It was a time of prayer. Do you all realize that, that the day of Pentecost um, was culminated with a, with a, a it was preceded, let me say it that way, was preceded by a 10 days of prayer and worship and seeking the Lord and being daily in the temple of God, worshiping the Lord and waiting and tearing until the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so it was a prayer meeting that brought the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost in a prayer meeting and I believe Peter and John saw the necessity to maintain the fullness of the Spirit by continuing to go to prayer meeting. I, I like prayer meetings, amen. I think that's probably one of the probably one of the downfalls, not probably, it is one of the downfalls within the church world today is the lack of prayer meetings. Yes, we have two here at Abundant Life every week on Tuesdays yes, and on Saturdays. And uh, you know, we and I encourage everybody that can to come and be a part of our prayer meetings on, sun, on Saturdays and on Tuesdays from 11 to 12. You will be blessed. And so I just want to put a plug in for that, all right? But 
they were on their way to this prayer meeting at the hour of prayer, and they, as they entered the temple that day, they were going through the gate beautiful, and there was a lame man that was laying there. And he had been lame, the Bible said, from his mother's womb, and they brought him there daily. He had never walked a step in his life. And the Bible also tells us that he was, he was over the age of 40 years old. So all of his life, for 40 years, he had never been able to run and play with the other children. He had never known everywhere he went he had to be carried. And so they laid him at this gate of the temple, the beautiful gate, and he was there asking alms from those of those who came into the temple to worship. And so as Peter and John were coming into the temple, the lame man asked them for an alms. He held his little cup up, you know, and alms for the poor. And Peter looked at him, and they had passed this man, I know, before. They had been both been through. The, Jesus had been through this gate before. And, but they fastened their eyes. They, they fixed their eyes on him. And Peter said to him, look at us. And then I love what Peter said to him. He was, he was expecting, the, the Bible said the lame man was expecting to receive something from them. And, and Peter said, listen, he said, silver and gold I do not have. But, and I like this, but what I do have I give to you. I, I don't have any money to give you, but I do have something. Praise God. You know what it was that he had to give? He had just, what he had to give was what he had just received on the day of Pentecost was the power of God. And he said, I do have something to give you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. And he reached down and he grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. And the Bible said that when he lifted him up, that, that he began, the power of God went into his body and it said that his feet and his ankles immediately received strength and he leaped up and stood up and he began walking around. And not only that, but he was so excited about what the Lord had just done done for him. He not only started walking. You know, I know some people say, why do you Pentecostals get so excited? We got something to get excited about. Amen. He not only began walking, but the Bible said that he began leaping, he began jumping, and he began praising God. And it said that he entered the temple with Peter and John, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. Man, that's something to get excited about. Well, the people, be, they saw what had happened and, and it kind of caught everybody's attention. I mean, he, they knew this man. They'd known him for years. They knew that he had just been, had he had been uh, a, 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 a lame man all these years. And so when they saw what had happened, they were all amazed at what had happened. And so a great crowd begins to gather now. God's used a miracle to get people's attention. Now, I know people say miracles. We don't need miracles today. They needed them then to get people's attention. Let me tell you something. If we ever needed to get people's attention, we need to get their attention today. Amen? But everybody began to be amazed at what had happened, and a crowd began to gather. And so Peter, there's Peter. 
He's just preached a few days ago on the day of Pentecost, a great Pentecostal sermon, the very first Pentecostal sermon. And now a great crowd gathers, and so uh, he's just thinking, you know, like any preacher, I've got everybody's attention. I just, because they're all amazed at what happened, I just will take this opportunity and preach. So he did. He begins to preach another message to those who had gathered, and quite a crowd had gathered. And so he began to tell them how this man was healed. He used this miracle kind of as a, as a springboard or a launching point to begin to preach to them. And first he said, well, don't look at us. Don't look on us as though it was our own power or holiness that made this man to walk. In other words, you know, I've heard people say this too, that, well, the miracles were just done by, because these men were apostles of Christ. Peter said, it's not because we are apostles. It's not because we are some great men. Don't look at us. But he said, God has glorified the name of his son, Jesus. And it was by the name of Jesus and through faith in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. And then he begins to tell them, Jesus Christ is the prince of life who you crucified and killed. But he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead and he's alive today. Amen? Hallelujah. And he said, God raised him from the dead and it's through him and by him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the power of his name that this miracle has taken place and this man has been healed. And so Peter preaches to them about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and tells them, you all are the ones who killed him. And now he gives an altar call. Amen. Amen. He gives the altar call, and that's what my text is, is the altar call that Peter gave. And the altar call it was this. He concludes his sermon by saying to them, here's what you need to do. Every sermon needs to end with the preacher telling you what you need to do to act upon what has been preached. Oh, that, I, that didn't go over so well. Amen. But anyway, he gave them the conclusion. He said, here's what you need to do. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice what he tells them to do. To repent and be converted. That term be converted actually means turn, return or turn to God. It's, it's what you do when you repent. When you repent, you turn around. Anybody with me? You turn and start going a different direction. That's what repentance is. And I know that, that there's those today say we don't have to preach and tell people to repent. People do have to repent. Even Christians need to repent from time to time and turn away from things that are not uh, pleasing to the Lord and turn and focus on the Lord. And he said if you will repent and be converted and turn to the Lord, guess what will happen? Your 
sins, no matter how, how, how bad your sins are, all your sins will be blotted out. All your sins will be wiped away. All your sins will be removed. Amen? Now that's good news. He's telling them right there. He's giving them a call to salvation. And he's telling them if you will come to Jesus Christ and repent and turn to him, he will forgive you. You may have been the ones guilty of crucifying him, but he will wipe away all of your sin. Listen, let me tell you something, saints. It doesn't matter how deep in sin a person is or how deep in sin they have gone or how terrible or ungodly a life that they have lived. If they will just repent and turn to Jesus Christ, he will wipe away all of their sin and change their life forever. Amen? So he said, repent, be converted, your sins will be blotted out. But then notice he says this, so that the times of refreshing, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So in this altar call, Peter has called them to come and get saved and to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because Peter describes here, this is the terminology that he uses in this text to describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he calls this experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. It kind of sounds like the same altar call that he gave in his first message. How many remembers the first Pentecostal message Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? And on that day... A great crowd gathered when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they heard them speaking in other tongues and magnifying God in the heavenly languages and, and different languages. And the crowd gathered and Peter took that opportunity to preach to them. And here was the altar call Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. Sounds kind of like what he told them here. He said to them, There, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And notice... And, and, so you repent, you turn to the Lord, you accept Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, what promise? The promise of salvation and the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you. And does it stop with you? No. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something today? That this experience, the experience of salvation was for them and for us. And can I tell you that the experience of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence that they received on the day of Pentecost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord is still for every born again child of God today who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
the gifts for you and the gift for your children and to all who desire to receive. Can I tell you, Abundant Life Family Church, there is a refreshing today for the church. There is a refreshing for every believer. There is a refreshing for everybody that is thirsty and who desires to be filled with the Spirit of God. You can have the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Now, Peter, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I better get my water. Peter gives three, says three things in describing this experience that he's talking about of the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. He, he gives three important truths here in his description of the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Times, he describes it as times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Say amen. 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 Now, number one, let me give you these. And I'm going to try. I won't even say it, right, Brother Joe? (laughs) Number one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Peter's description here in Acts 3.19 of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, First of all, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter says, is not a man-made experience. Do I need to repeat that? You're writing this down. You need to get this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a man-made experience. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does not have its origin in the will or in the mind of man, and it is not an invention of modern Pentecostalism. I know there are those that say that, well, these Pentecostals at the turn of the 20th century, you know, at at, uh, at Wichita, Kansas, and Azusa Street, and those places, they manufactured and made all this up. But I'm going to tell you what, it is not, let me repeat this, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, is not an invention of modern Pentecostalism. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is an experience that comes from God Almighty, from the Father. Peter said so. In this text, Peter said that this experience of the Holy Spirit comes from, where did he say the times of refreshing come from? from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that what he said? Literally it says from the face of the Lord or from the person of the Lord. Jesus himself in Acts 1 and 4, he told those, uh, you know, those before his ascension, he told them to go and wait at Jerusalem and to receive the promise of my Father. Jesus said that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that they experienced on the day of Pentecost was the promise of the Father. In Acts 2 and 4, our favorite Pentecostal scripture, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. But in that third verse, he says this, Right before that happened, suddenly there came a sound from where? Heaven. 
from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. So I think we can see very clearly that, that this experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is from God. It's not man-made. It's not manufactured by Pentecostals. It is from God and it is biblical. Amen. It is scriptural and is from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gift of the Holy Ghost from the Heavenly Father. So we've got to be very careful. Everyone needs to be very careful when they talk about the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we need to be careful what we say about this experience because some have said, well, that's, that speaking in tongues is gibberish or it's babble or it's, and some have went as far to say that speaking in tongues is of the devil. But you better be very, very careful because, because you would have, yeah, listen, you would have to be totally blind, spiritually blind to the Word of God, to the Scriptures, uh, to ever make a statement like that, 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 that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is of the devil or speaking in tongues is of the devil. Um, Doyle Jones in his book on the Holy Spirit, some of you have that book, but he gives the little illustration, the little story of the two drunks two drunks sitting in a tavern and they're drinking their beer. They're just, they're, they're, they're getting, just drinking one after another and they're having a conversation. One drunk says to the other drunk there in the bar, he says, what do you think about this speaking in tongues business? And the other drunk said, well, I'll tell you what I think. It's of the devil. And then the other drunk takes a big drink of beer and he looks at his buddy and he said, well, no, it couldn't be of the devil. If it was, we'd have it. We need to be very careful what we say. If someone doesn't believe in the experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, if they don't believe in speaking in other tongues, you know, they need to read the Bible and find out what's right about it. But don't be labeling the manifestations of the Spirit of God as the devil. Jesus said that's very close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to do that. Amen? Uh, John MacArthur, and some of you may be familiar with him, wrote a book, Baptist minister, that wrote a book called Strange Fire. And in that book, he viciously labels the Pentecostal charismatic movement as, and I quote, a false church that's as dangerous as any cult or heresy that has ever assaulted Christianity. You need to be, made, you need to be careful about statements like that. That is a dangerous thing for someone to say, especially for someone who has the biblical knowledge that that man is supposed to to have. Are you with me today? He just called every Pentecostal and every charismatic, every person in the assemblies of God, the church of God, the Pentecostal church of God, the four square, the Pentecostal holiness, the, uh, the church of God of prophecy, and any other Pentecostal movement. He just called them a cult and a group of heretics. Well, I'm telling you, I'm going to stand here and say today that he is 100% wrong. He is in Inspired of the enemy to say such a thing as that because the experience of the Holy Spirit comes from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The devil is not going to give you anything that's going to make you love Jesus more, make you have a desire for the Word of God, make you covet the things of God. That is what the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues will do in your life. And the devil isn't going to give anybody anything to make Jesus more real to them. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. So the Pentecostal blessing, see, listen, they've come too late to convince this old boy because I've been Pentecostal all my life. I, do I have to give my disclaimer that Pentecostalism is not a denomination? I preached on it before and then somebody wrote me a letter and said, you got denominational pride. No, 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 because Pentecost is not a denomination. I belong to a, an organization called the Pentecostal Church of God, being the same as the Assemblies of God. It's a, it's a, it's a, a fellowship or a denomination, I don't know, an organization. But, it's, but Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is an experience of receiving this, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I've, I've been raised in this. I, I, I remember as a little child, you know, being in Pentecostal churches, my my, my uncle pastored the Assembly of God Church in, in Potosi. Actually, he built the church. They've built onto it since then, but they were in a basement when he, when he went there in the big granite stone church that they built there. My uncle built that in the in early 60s. And I remember being there in those services and those ladies shouting and dancing in the Spirit and praising the Lord and, and speaking in tongues and messages and interpretation. And you know, just as little kids, and we would sometimes laugh at that boy, you know, somebody would be speaking in tongues, giving a message, and we'd, <laughs> we'd kind of laugh at that. Well, we didn't, you know, we weren't making fun of the Holy Ghost. We just didn't understand what was going on. But we were being, oh, hallelujah. We were being exposed to the operation of the Holy Spirit. I think that's one of the things we've, where we've probably missed it in the church today, in the modern church today, is because we have separate services for our kids and for our teens many times, and we, we isolate them from the moving and the working and the operation of the Holy Spirit within the church, within the body of Christ. Are you with me? But, amen, there was... Uh, <clears throat> I was exposed to that, to the Holy Spirit. And so I know that Pentecost, the Pentecostal blessing is real. There was an old song we used to sing. It's real, it's real. I know it's real. It's the Pentecostal blessing. And I know, I know it's real. It's real, it's real. I know it's real. It's the pen, that Pentecostal blessing. And I know, I know it's real. How many here knows that it's real today? Praise the Lord. It comes, yeah, it comes from the Father. It's a life-changing encounter. Receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a life-changing encounter with the living God. And for you to properly receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead. He comes from God. And God the Father is not going to give you anything that will be harmful or will be wrong. Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 11. He said, if you 
if your son asks you for, for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. He said, if he asks you for uh, an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion. And, if you, and he's not going to give you a serpent. If you ask him for something, he's not. So what was Jesus saying? Then he went on to say, and so, so much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. In other words, he's saying, if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, the experience you receive is going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is not going to give you anything wrong. You're not going to get a wrong spirit. You're not going to get a demon. Come on, amen. When people are seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they will be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit who is God, the third person of the Godhead coming into your life. Amen. So number one, that's number one. This, the, the, the experience of receiving the Holy Spirit is from the Lord. It's not a man-made experience. Number two, and I've only got three, so boy, we're doing good. Number two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, according to Peter, is not a dry, unemotional experience. Let me say that again. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a dry, dead, lifeless, unemotional experience. The Holy Ghost baptism that Peter described is a refreshing. Is that what he said? And you shall receive the time you, so that you will receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a refreshing time. It will refresh your dryness. Anybody here ever feel spiritually dry? Anybody ever feel a little bit spiritually parched? Amen. That's why it's good to come to church because this world is a wilderness and it's a desert. And we need a, a place like Abundant Life Family Church that can be an oasis where we can come and be refreshed with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So what the Holy Spirit will do to receive the Holy Spirit, when you do, the Holy Spirit will refresh you. He will renew you. He will revive you. And again, there's all those re-words again. Peter said for them to repent, and if they would repent, they would be refreshed. They would be restored, revived, renewed. Amen? So William's translation says it this way. William's translation says that you will receive times of revival from the presence of the Lord. I like that. Amen. Times of revival. Well, that's what that's what revival is, times of refreshing. That's why we have still have revivals at Abundant Life Church because it's times of refreshing. The New Living Translation says it's a time when your soul shall receive new strength. Well, that's what the refreshing is. It's a time when you, when you need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit, it's a time that God renews your strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? It's 
it's a renewal and a refreshing. Paul even agrees with that in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 4 when he talks about speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit, praying in an unknown tongue. He said, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Well, that edification, what does that mean? That edification is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're praying in that prayer language and you're worshiping God in tongues. What's happening? There's spiritual edification that's taking place in your spirit. You, that word edify means to be built up like, a, like building or constructing a building. Amen? Like you would build a house or build a building. You start with the foundation and then you start putting up, I don't know, Brother Joe knows how to do all that, and you start putting up the walls and the, the perimeter and, the fa- and, and, and then you get up to the roof, but you're building an edifice. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit does. It refreshes you and it edifies you and it revives you. And God in heaven knows that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today needs a good refreshing and renewing and reviving from heaven, from the presence of the Lord. We need the time of refreshings today from the presence of the Lord. Amen? Let me tell you something, saints of God. Nothing at all will build you up and strengthen you spiritually like being baptized with the Holy Spirit and praying in that heavenly language, praying in tongues. Isaiah prophesied about it in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. And he said, For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. Do you hear what, they, what he said there? That speaking in other tongues, being filled with the Spirit. That was a prophecy there in Isaiah of what was going to take place in the new covenant, under the new covenant. And when you're filled with the Spirit and speak to God in heaven with that heavenly language, it is a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and renewal from the Holy Spirit. I always tell people that's, that, that, it's, that it's a stress buster. Yes, it is. It's, it's rest and refreshing. It will relieve your stress when you are edified by praying in the Holy Spirit. So it's not a dry, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not some dry, dead, emotional experience. When you have a church that's dead and dry, glory to God forever. When you have a church that is dead and dry and empty as last year's bird's nest, then you've got a problem. They need, they need, they need, come on somebody, the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them, to renew them and refresh them. Let me bring it down a little more personal. When you or I individually get dead and dry and empty as last year's bird's nest, we need a personal filling and renewing and refreshing with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. I know, you know, people have come here to church and they've, they've went away saying, that guy is nuts. 
There ain't no need in acting like he acts. There's no need in getting it. And, and I guess that's true. But, you know, I, I get, I'm feeling the, the, the when, when I get to feeling the Holy Spirit, and maybe I, maybe I um, express myself a little differently than some others, but I've always said this before, you know, when I get to feeling the Holy Spirit, I have to respond to that. That's right. I think everybody will. Brother Jim, you know, he and I have worked together at the school district and, and do a little electrical work sometimes. And there's been times that I've done a little of that shade tree electrical work at the school and, and the breaker not be off and, and, and get a hold of that wire, you know, or stick my screwdriver down there. And there's still, you've done that, hadn't you? And you know what you get, don't you? And when, when that happens to you, there's all, you all, you're not just going to stand there and say, hmm, I feel, the, I feel the current going through me. <laughs> there's a reaction, isn't there? Now, we may not all react the same way, but I know one thing, when I feel it, go, I'll go, whoo, something like that, you know, man. Felt something there. Glory to God. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. If you've ever fooled with electricity, you know what I'm talking about. There's always a response. There's a, there's a, there's a, a reaction to what you've just felt. And I'm telling you what, man, when, when, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said it's times of refreshing. There's, it's not dead. It's not dry. It's not lifeless. There's some emotion that you're going to show and you're going to give. Somebody sent me a message uh, the, here a couple of weeks ago wanting to know how it felt to, be, to, be, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I can't explain that. I, I, you know, it's like, how does it feel? I don't know. It's the greatest thing in the world. How do you explain how it feels? Amen. They were looking for a feeling. But what you need to be looking for is, is the Lord, seeking the Lord. And when you are filled, then you know how you'll know when you are filled? Not by what you feel, but by what you hear coming out of your mouth. You'll be praising the Lord in a heavenly language. They don't want to hear that part. I got to move on. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, in the life of the believer is to enhance yes. your relationship yes. with the Lord. Yes, to conform you into the image of Christ. To yes. make Jesus more real to you than he's yes. ever been before. Amen. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a number of reasons. But that fact of, that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to you in a greater way and enhance your relationship to the Lord and make Him more real to you, that is the main reason you need to be filled. He refreshes and revives your soul. He's referred to in the Word of God as, as the water of life, as refreshing rain from heaven, as a life-giving river, as the wind that blows, the cool breeze and the wind that blows and brings light. We need to be refreshed today and renewed by the Spirit of God on this Pentecost Sunday. Can I get an amen? Last of all, point number three. Woo, we're moving along. We're doing good. Point number three. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a one-time only experience. Peter describing the infilling of the Holy Spirit says this. He says, repent, 
Return to the Lord that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Did you notice that? Notice that he doesn't say, so a, a time of refreshing may come, singular, but he uses the plural and he says, so that times, plural, of refreshing, which indicates, what does that indicate? It indicates multiple experiences and refreshings from the Holy Spirit. Not just one time, not just a one-time shot and that's it. That's, that's not the way it is. And so many people think, uh, they, they make that mistake of thinking that one, that one experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit is plenty, but that's not so. Listen, there was a lot of folks that were refreshed and refilled and renewed and received the Holy Spirit uh, in the 2017 revival that we had that was 16 services that the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way. And there was a lot of people received the Holy Spirit. And there was a lot of people that were refilled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You know what? There's a lot of people that received an experience in that revival that probably have never spoken in tongues again since then. And they thought, well, I got it all that I needed right then. And that for that time, yeah, that was great. But it's not a time of refreshing. It's times, plural. It's multiple experiences. It's continually being filled and overflowed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's, there's, see, listen, there's one initial baptism that you receive one initial baptism in the Holy Spirit that you receive, but then there are many refillings that come time and time again after that. It's not, you know, well, I, w I received the Holy Spirit in, uh, it was, I think, uh, May or G May, in May, yeah, it was in May, April or May of 2000, of 2000. Of 1973. All right, let me get it right. 1973. I remember the exact date I got born again. It was March 25th, 73. So it was in. It was a few weeks after that I received the Holy Spirit baptism. But you know what? Since that time, I've received multiple, multiple refillings and renewings and refreshings. Let me tell you something, saints. I got up this morning and spent time in the presence of the Lord communicating with God and receiving a refreshing and a refilling and praying to, to God in that heavenly language. That's something we need every day in our life. It's not just a one-time experience. Amen. All through the New Testament and the book of Acts, you see repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You see it happening over and over again. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But then we see in Acts 4 a few days later when they gathered together in that prayer meeting and they prayed because they had been, listen, they had been threatened not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus and they threatened Peter and John, let them go. They went back to the church, reported to the church, we've been threatened. We've been told not to preach uh, about Jesus anymore. And let me just put a little side note. That day's coming to America. I said that day's coming to America and you better make sure. Hallelujah. You know what they did when they were, when they were threatened? We'll lock you up. We'll put you in jail if you preach anymore about Jesus. They went back to the church and they called a prayer meeting and they began to call upon the Lord. And the Bible said that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. There was a literal shaking by the power of God and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. 
They had just been filled at Pentecost and now here a few days later they're getting a refilling and a refreshing. We need a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Woo! Paul went and preached to that to that group, 12 people started the church at Ephesus. 12, 12 men and their families. And, and Paul went there and prayed for them, laid hands on those 12, and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 19. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. That was the beginning of that church. But a number of years later, we have a whole, we have a letter in the New Testament called the letter to the Ephesians. And it was Paul writing to that that church at Ephesus, who, which started by being filled with the Holy Spirit. But Paul, writing to them, says to them in Ephesians 5, and be not drunk with wine where is in excess or, or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I thought they were filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts. Oh, yeah, when the church started, they were. But Paul was telling them that one initial baptism is not enough. You need to be being continually filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. And that's the way the verb is used there in the Greek in, in Ephesians 5.18. It's in the continuous tense that there is, in other words, it would literally say be continuously, be being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, once is not enough. Hallelujah. It's not a time of refreshing, a time of filling, but it's times, plural, over and over and over and there is no limit. There is no limit to how much of the Holy Spirit that you can have in your life and how many refillings and renewings and refreshings you can have of the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise. Praise the Lord. Be continuously filled. The Greek pleru uh, is the word that is used in, in there in, in Ephesians 5.18 and it means it carries the idea of reaching the saturation point. And that's the way I want to be. Filled to the point of saturation. I'm, when it comes to the Holy Ghost, to the Spirit of God, I want to be like a sponge. I'm, I'm Pastor SpongeBob. <laughs> I want to soak up as much of the Holy Spirit as I can in my life. How many is with me? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Every single day, listen. We need to pray through to a fresh and, re and to repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit to ask God to fill us daily, to ask Him daily for a fresh filling. I like what David said in Psalm 92.10. He said, And I, I shall be anointed with fresh oil, fresh oil, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So that's it. It's not a man, it's not a man-made thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a dead, dry, 
lifeless experience. It's a refreshing. It comes from the Lord. Praise God. And it's not a one-time shot. It's being filled every single day and staying full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Worship team, you can come back. Make your way to the front. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to ask you a question while our heads are bowed this morning. And I want you to just do a little self-examination and, and, and ask yourself this. Are you, are you hungry? Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Do you have that thirst for more of Him? And it should be there. It should be there. And if you do have that thirst, that's one of the main things Jesus said that we had to have. If you've got that thirst, then you will be and can be and will be refilled and refreshed today. And Peter tells us in that text exactly how to receive the refreshing. He says, return to the Lord, repent of your sins, ask Him to fill you, believe His promise, and then you just yield to Him and expect to receive and to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. So that's, that's how simple it is. We make it difficult. We make it hard. We make it something, you know, that, well, I, I, we, we're, we're always waiting, it seems like, for the Holy Ghost just to take us over and make us speak in tongues. But can I tell you something today? That the Holy Spirit, when He comes in, He will prompt you and give you utterance. Yes, but you, the, the, the believer, you have to open your mouth and speak the words that He gives you. You've got to speak it out. And they, Acts 2 says, and they, who? Those in the, in, in the upper room. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Who began to speak? They did. The Holy Ghost didn't speak. The Holy Ghost didn't talk. They spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance or the promptings. Amen? Be just like a teleprompter. If I had a teleprompter up here prompting me as to what to say, I would just say that. When the Holy Spirit comes in, He prompts you. He gives you words. He gives you language that you have never learned. And then it's up to you to just yield to the Holy Spirit and begin to speak that out. And when you do, you know what happens when you do that, when you yield to Him? It's rivers of living water that just flow from your innermost being.